Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. This is episode number 36. Yes, we are 36 years of age. Really? Yes, we are. <laughs> We're 36 old. Fantastic. I am, actually. Ep- episodes, but... Yeah, maybe that relates to um, some ages. But uh, hey, welcome, welcome aboard, uh, listeners, and great to uh, to have everyone in the studio. You're with Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows and Skip Parker, and we also have some special guests that will be coming on to uh, onto the podcast very soon. Um, but to start with, let's uh, let's let's dive in. Um, and Bradley, you've uh, you found some news on a new streaming uh, box from Sony. Now, this is a box dedicated to uh, Netflix video streaming, which, of course, we've got a f- um, at least one article up on the nztechpodcast.com uh, site about uh, Netflix, of course, being the US-based service for watching movies and, and uh, TV programs. There are certainly some hoops to jump through if you want to get it running in New Zealand, but for those of us that have done it, uh, everyone's found it really worthwhile. Um, this box opens up another uh, another option, another device for being able to uh, watch that content. Yeah, look, um, so Sony obviously getting into the market trying to compete against Roku um, and the Apple TV. Um, it's going to be retailing for $99.99 uh, US dollars. Um, it can be bought on Amazon. So, I mean, it does the standard Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon Instant Movies. Um, um, but it also has DLNA compliance. So what that means is that you can stream content from devices on your network as well. And it can play MKV and XVID files as well. So if you've got a home, um, like a NAS unit or a few NAS units or an entire storage array, um, you can sit there and, and play your movies off that storage array or NAS units <laughs> or media devices and actually play it across a little streaming box, which is kind of cool. It's a little bit more powerful than what the Roku's got at the moment. Um, I haven't got the Roku 2 so I can't comment on that. But it's good to see these low-end devices coming in where we can get these internet-based services and still get you know the high-definition movies across them. Yeah, that's cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Now, it's, it's nice to see more options. The ongoing frustration for you know the average user in New Zealand is that you know, these things are a little bit too hard to set up. That said, uh, one of our listeners that I spoke to the other day, who I wouldn't pick as as really being you know um, a real technical person, but certainly um, somebody with a little bit of patience, has worked through the process and was up and running with uh, Netflix and so on in their home environment through one of the uh, the VPN boxes that we uh, re- VPN routers that we uh, we recommend. So yeah, I've got uh, I've got someone else who's done that recently actually, and, yeah. and they said that the strong VPN is just was, that process was really really easy to do um, and the Netflix process was a little bit fiddly from that side so but I mean obviously we were talking over the weekend um, and uh, you're getting some really good speeds through strong VPN for your connections yeah at the what I noticed was and you know we, we talked about that before as I've just been moving house moved into new premises so I can get the um, the ultra fast broadband the fiber optic internet uh, when that becomes available um, in the first half of 2012 uh, but in the meantime I'm stuck on ADSL 2 oh Oh, poor you. Okay, but I'm getting a reasonably good connection, sort of, you know, uh, 19, you know, megabit sort of sync speed. And what I found was the connection over the VPN to the US, I was, you know, in my test, I was able to get up to seven and a half megabits. 
That's awesome. Uh, at the peak, and then dropping down to between one and two megabits uh, was kind of the worst case that I that I saw. Also, very good upload speeds of around uh, over one megabit. So, you know, in most cases, yeah, very good for streaming, able to stream in, in HD and so on quite successfully. So, and you had a few yeah. troubles last time. I mean, you were all sort of having a bit of fun about your internet connection in your old house, and obviously now you're starting to get a bit of better quality of service. I think by the being closer. Well, the old house was good because I was very close to the uh, connection as well. Once they put the cabinet, you know, it got cabinetized, and I was connecting across the street. But yeah, there were some other issues mm. with the in-house wiring and so on. So uh, yeah, it was well worth getting that, and then getting some uh, actual cat cat um, five or whatever cabling sort of runs through the house. So I've you know I've got uh, Ethernet to all the spots. So yeah, all right. Now on to the next topic. So we, we now have in the studio uh, some of the team from the Free Range Robotics crew. Wahoo! Yeah, this is cool. Now, uh, these guys have been competing in the uh, the Robotics World Champs uh, the last few years and have uh, have done very well. Uh, in fact, New Zealand, my understanding is, have won uh, three times in a row. Um, now, who have we got here in the studio with us? I've got, you've got Terry Allen. Kate Gillard, Ethan Harold, and George Gillard. Great to have you guys in here with us. Now, um, I was down today uh, having a little bit of a look at the uh, the competition taking place uh, there at the at the cloud, where uh, people have obviously been watching the uh, Rugby World Cup action. But uh, today they were all uh, swarming around uh, looking at uh, at the Robotics World Cup uh, activity. Uh, can you guys tell us a little bit about um, you know your background, your um, your team, where you've come from, and uh, and and your uh, successes? Um, well, uh, the team kind of started in around 2008, and um, we just kind of grown from there. So, and yeah. and uh, you were how many of you went up to the US? Uh, have been up to the US over the last sort of two or three years? Uh, well, each year we take about ten people, sometimes more. Um, yeah. What are, what are the age groups? I mean, you guys. What, I mean, in your teens. So is, it, is it a sort of a, a young group that goes up or? Um, yeah, there's the youngest person on our, our team currently is 11. Wow! Um, but we range right up to 18. Fantastic. So it's mainly the teenage years. Sweet. And and what is it you actually? I mean, I've seen these guys in action over on the North Shore. But just for the people that are listening online, so what actually are you guys building and doing and, and stuff like that? Um, well, every year Vex Robotics come out with a competition for high school students. Um, this year it's Gateway. So we have to design a robot that picks up barrels and balls or about six inch diameter and score them in circular goals all over the field, ranging up to 30 inches high. Wow. And what is Gateway? Is it Gateway, was it? Yeah. So what does Gateway actually do? Do they provide you with everything? or um, well, You get a certain challenge at the beginning of the season, um, and you yeah, have to design your robot around it um, using Vex parts. So... Okay, so they're, they're a manufacturer of all the bits and pieces that you can use to make your own robots effectively. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. And now I was having a look at, at sort of the the rules and so on today. It seems like you get a you get a pretty uh, clear list of what you're allowed. So everyone has a reasonably level playing field. Where does the you know what is it that makes one team do better over over another? What are the what are the things that come into it in terms of design skills and creativity and and so on? Tell us about you know what you guys have done um, to differentiate your team. Um, well, we've taken ideas from other teams from North Shore 
and we've just turned them into our own to work with how we want the robot to work and how we think will be best. Um, yeah. Okay, so there's sort of a collaborative effort here in New Zealand where teams are learning off each other and then, you know, trying to better each other. Is that, is that what, what's happening? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And so why do you think that um, the New Zealand teams have done, you know, have done so well at the, uh, at the World Champs over the, these last three years? Um, well, the New Zealand teams are constantly organising um, competitions to battle against each other. Um, so we actually have a, yeah, a really better chance uh, than the americans to see each other's robots and learn from each other and, and how how big is the is the community obviously that's what it is that everyone's using here is a, is a community type type feel is, is it a strong community in auckland and around new zealand um well at the, currently there's about 60 teams um 60 teams yeah 60 teams wow. around new zealand um but there are over a thousand teams probably about 3,000 teams worldwide at the moment in the VEX competition. Wow, that's huge. It's a lot bigger than I anticipated, you guys saying. And I have to ask this from my personal geek perspective. Obviously, there's Robot Wars. Um, you guys interested in that? Is that stuff that you've watched, viewed, or is it just sort of the uh, Hollywoodish thing of the movie of the movies that you guys would go, oh, that's stupid? Um, well, it's... I guess Robot Wars is a only in America, I guess. <laughs> yeah, Vector Robotics is more of a challenge, like a sport, rather than a, um, a kind of battle. So, for people listening online, how big do these things get? I mean, the robots yourself. I mean, how big is your one going to be? Um, well, at the beginning of a match, robots must fit with um, within size dimensions of 18 inches by 18 inches by 18 inches. Um, so, but after that, they can expand, and they need to be able to reach 30 inches to score in every goal. Um, oh. So, our so robot- they're sort of like Transformers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Inspirational. Yeah, so our robots um, currently reach up to about 50 inches wow. from the very top of the robot. That's as tall as my son. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, I really like they, that. They look great in action. Oh, and, uh, do you have a name for it? Um, yeah, we've, we're in different alliances. So my um, alliance's name, we've got Spirit and Opportunity, Yeah. two Mars rovers. Uh, my one is called Heath. For some reason, <laughs> <know why. laughs> that's cool. It's like Bob. We're going to call it Bob. Um, and things like the Mars rovers and those type of things. Have you guys followed that whole robotics era with NASA and what they've been doing? Is that how you guys got into this? Or um, well, I've always had an interest for mechanics and building stuff, um, but the Mars rovers really inspire me, and I love them. Um, so it's something I'm just really enjoying. I guess the Mars rovers are kind of an inspiration from this viewpoint of where we could go in the future from here. That's cool. I mean, we we heard uh, earlier on today that, um, you know, as well as obviously the the school teams, we've got uh, university teams competing, and then there are various sort of sponsors that have been coming on board, uh, the likes of Fisher and Paykel that are are getting involved, um, and they're looking to sort of pick up, I guess, the best people that have come through this contest to uh, employ them down the track. So I think there's got to be some really positive sponsors spin-offs you know from doing this from an educational and a career perspective and also you know i guess you know new zealand's sort of future on the international um uh you know on the international front as well so i've got a question for the mums that are standing around here Uh, obviously you know with children a sport you've got to support your kids and it has a cost associated to it 
is it an expensive sport to get into as a parent to, to let your kids get through? And if you don't mind sharing a rough guesstimate of how much it takes to get these teams across, because I do want to give a plug for the sponsorship at some point in this thing as well, if yeah. possible. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, it is um, costly. Uh, each robot, in terms of parts, you're looking at about $5,000 just there, and it's a lot of sausage sizzles. <laughs> and um, the competition is, of course, here in New Zealand, but if you win a competition, which we have done for the past three years, then there's the you know, responsibility to represent your country in the world competition, and you're looking at about $5,000 a student to get across to the States to represent New Zealand. So it is, it's a big commitment in terms of finance. And you said there's, there's ten, roughly 10 students per team. Was that what you guys said? Um, that go to the Worlds, yes, about 10. So that's $50,000. Yeah, that's right. We're looking between it wow. take, you know, fifty to $70,000 every year that we have to raise to get overseas. And, you know. and, and how, I mean, obviously that's a lot of sausages, but um, who are the, some of the Fish and Pike or great sponsor to have on board? Who else have you got on board to help sort of get you guys across the line? Um, for us individually on our on our team, we look for somebody every year to give us a hand. We haven't been able to find a regular sponsor for our team. There are some wonderful companies who support the VEX Robotics program altogether, and they support the competition environment and some prize money, like you know tickets being covered for a small portion of a team. But the rest of it falls on parents. Okay, so there's definitely some yeah, great opportunities. Any of our uh, listeners uh, out there want to, want to get involved? Um, now, they can look you up on the web. You guys are at um, robotics.org.nz. Uh, great URL you've got there. Um, and, and I guess that's where they can, they can find all, all about the uh, free-range robotics uh, team. And if they did want to, uh, to help out, get involved with sponsorships and so on, there's some details there to, uh, to track, you, track you down. Yeah, that's right. There is. And um, not only sponsorship, but if they want to be involved in mentoring, that would be great too. And, and just for the people that are in Auckland at the moment, they're going to be listening to this show, um, how long is the robotics going on down at the cloud, guys? Is it going for the next few days? And um, yeah, it's going till Thursday. So, and you guys are down there every day. Yeah. And what can we look for? What can people see? Are you just going to be demoing what your robot is, or is it going? To, I mean, we obviously we had the Andrew Mertens kick off the other day in the park. Were you guys watching that one as well? Um, well, I went down and watched it because I thought it was c- kind of a cool thing to go and watch. Um, otherwise, at the Robot World Cup now, um, people can look for Vex robots, I suppose. Do you reckon you could have built a better robot that could have beaten Andrew Mertens? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Excellent. Oh, well, we look forward to seeing what, what other inventions that you guys come up with over the next few years. Um, and we certainly wish you the very best in the, uh, in the World Cup. And uh, we look forward to, uh, to, to seeing uh, New Zealand uh, dominate in, a, in another field uh, globally. Yeah, we'll get you guys back on the show definitely when you get over there and win. Thank you. Yes. Excellent. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, guys. That was cool. Very, very interesting to uh, to chat to the um, some of the competitors in the World Cup of Robotics. Yeah, there's some very smart young gentlemen there and gentlemen because um, yeah, they're, they're very clever, very, it's, very clever. No, it's it's insane. The talent there is insane. Yeah. So definitely, for those that want to uh, want to get out and um, understand a bit more about this, then it's worth getting uh, getting down, having a look at the. Uh, uh, the World Cup 
activities down there at the cloud if you're around Auckland. Um, also, there, I'm sure there'll be other media coverage, and we, we'll, we'll uh, try and put together a, a couple of little uh, video snippets and other information to put up on the NZ Tech Podcast website. And for those uh, who might be interested in supporting them in some ways, we'll uh, we'll try and we'll try and collate something together on that. Actually, uh, the company I work for did an interview with that exact team. Okay, so we could put that clip up on there. So absolutely, Shine, Shine TV News did one. Okay, oh, fantastic. So great. So uh, yep. So have a look. We'll uh, we'll put that up there um, after the show. Now, also yesterday, uh, Monday, there was the um, the robotic kicking contest. Yep. So for people online that were international listeners, um, we have a World Cup of uh, rugby going on over here. Just a small game. Just a small game. And we've got some ex uh, of our national team All Blacks uh, over here, and one of them is Andrew Mertens. And some people decided to build a robot to see who could kick the best. And the winner was... Actually, it was a draw. (laughs) No, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure it was a draw, wasn't it? It was not a draw. The robots lost by a mile. Serious? Absolutely. I was looking at a different news um, record then. Oh, okay. Um, that, well, that was my that was my impression, but um, I wasn't I wasn't actually there, so I only only looked at the info after it. So um, it looked yeah. a pretty awesome robot, though. I mean, you know, the, the robots weren't very consistent, was my impression, and they needed to be adjusted and so on to to do it. But um, yeah, I mean. Not the usual sort of function of a robot kicking a rugby ball from a different place, different angle, different wind conditions, and so on. Right? I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a traditional sort of robotic task. If we think of you know a robot that moves one thing, picks it up, moves it five centimeters to the left, or attaches something that's you know very specific, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean. Yeah, they took longer than Johnny Wilkinson to set up a kick, that's for sure, with the robot. I mean, it, it just was quite long. But, hey, at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're, at the, we're still at the very early phase of robotics and that sort of stuff. So seeing sort of kids and local, um, local developers and even some international robotic developers just sort of tackling day-to-day tasks like kicking a ball over goalposts, which is a day-to-day task for Kiwis, um, is quite cool. I think it was quite cool. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I mean, what, what I like from both of these things is seeing that New Zealand is innovating in a space that probably traditionally we haven't been known to be innovators in. You know, you'd sort of think, oh, yeah, robotics, that's maybe, you know, the Japanese, Americans and so on are playing in that sort of space. Uh, you know, various other countries that are doing a lot of manufacturing work. And, you know, New Zealand isn't really a big manufacturer yet. You know, here we are at this robot- Robotics uh, World Cup, and we've won three years in a row. And, I mean, it's I'm always proud when I see, uh, you know, New Zealand being such a small country doing so well and things like rugby and yachting, uh, you know, other other areas that they've done well in, the um, um, the Imagine Cup sort of programming uh, contest and, and so on. Uh, but we seem to be really dominating in this space. And, you know, it's good to see the schools and, and these clubs that have really got behind it. So anyway, moving uh, moving on to uh, to our next topic of the uh, of the show. Big news last week, guys. Yeah, some international sad news. news. Yeah. Really sad. Um, you know, hearing that uh, Steve Jobs passed away. Uh, we heard that on uh, was it Thursday after. Um, uh, the iPhone 4S was announced the day before, and then and this then this news came out following. Yeah, look, I mean, it was it was really really sad, and I think um, 
You know, I was, first of all, I was a bit cynical about the over-dramatic way people were being about it. And then I've actually gone back and I've actually watched a lot of his old keynotes and, and, and just really just sort of done a bit of a recap and, and, and watched, I watched a documentary on Pixar, which obviously he helped get heavily involved and set up and everything. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm still on the fence about the man himself, but... I have a lot more respect for him than I did about a couple of weeks ago because I've, I've, done, I've done a really lot of history about both him and Gates and, and all that sort of homebrew club and yep. I, I was more of a, a was fan than a Jobs fan <laughs> and um, so yeah it, but it's really, really sad I mean I, yeah I, I was reading I was listening to some articles today actually around um, around him and apparently they his family did say that um, he listened to the Apple's uh, the Apple announcement um, okay. in his in, in his home. Uh, where he passed away, and he was able to sort of see that last press go through, and then obviously he passed away uh, about twelve hours later. So, yeah, it was kind of sad to hear it. Um, I I think the level of um, outpourings interesting. Well, I think you know there, there's only um, well yeah there haven't been a lot of figures that have been um, so well recognised in the technology space, and if we look back. Um, you know, obviously Bill Gates, you know, really well well known within, um, you know, what he's achieved with Microsoft. And when you look at Apple, uh, you know, Apple's successes have been very, very closely tied, uh, you know, to Steve Jobs. And, and when we look at, uh, you know, how driven he was and the sort of things that that he achieved, I mean, he's had just such a uh, such a huge impact on the industry, and. He was yeah. a genius. I mean, I mean, if you ever saw, there's a, there's an interview with Walt Mossberg, and he talks around actually how the iPhone got developed, and mm. it's one of the most interesting. That, that was this is the the genius of Steve Jobs was he actually said the iPhone started out was what became the iPad, right? So they were designing this this mock up of this iPad, and the guys and he was a perfectionist, and he was doing all the beveled edges and everything, and apparently one night he said, look, I was in my office, I was looking at this mock up of this device, and he goes. I suddenly thought I could make a phone out of this and he goes all I did he goes I picked up that entire project I put it on the shelf I grabbed all the ideas miniaturized it and that's how the iPhone got bought together he goes after the iPhone was well underway they took the concept back off the shelf and then that's how the iPad got created and this that level of just that amazing visionary to be able to do that is just oh, I just love that's the one thing I loved about re-watching all those old things on YouTube it was just mm. wow when I when I look back to you know I found uh, computer and 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 electronic sort of technology really interesting uh, as a as a kid and you know I remember seeing the um, uh, the Mac in its really early years and although you had this computer with this little nine inch black and white screen the the attention to detail that Jobs had sort of oh, yeah. had had put into uh, delivering this product not just the the case that was uh, you know designed to the nth degree but it was the way the software the typography the layout on the screen was just so different to anything else on the market and I remember seeing Windows when that came out and it's and it's you know very earliest iterations Windows one Windows one mm. and Windows two 
and you know they were very much um, you know taking cues from from what Apple was doing, but without that uh, that same sort of um, attention to typographic detail. Well, it didn't have the some polish. Of, some of the other yeah. sort of visual elements, right? Yeah. And you know that was one area where um, you know the early Apple products might not have delivered in in every area, but they they looked really really good. It was you know it was stunning, and the the audio sounds just turning on my. Uh, my Mac back in the eighties, and just the little the little sounds it would make, and so on, um, were you know th- those sort of things became really iconic. And I think you know Steve Jobs was a master of you know bringing these iconic products into the market. Well, he also had a vision where he he would look at something, and I mean the mouse is a prime example, right? You know the story is him and Woz and three other guys went to Xerox after he got approval from HP to go out and make this this home PC at the time is what he wanted to do and he went to Xerox to, to pitch the, another idea to them and they had a mock-up of a UI and that's where he got the idea for the UI and they had this big um, wooden box on a desk with a cable on it and they said this is going to move, move this one pixel thing around on this, on, the, on this device and we're going to use it to input things and Jobs took that and developed that into what became the mouse but he took this ugly <laughs> you know, brute of a thing and made it into this beautiful aesthetic practical consumer friendly thing and, and that's what Jobs could do he could look at something and make everything that was ugly where they were leveraging other people's ideas they could take it and then make it good I mean you know the um, uh, what's the music player guys give me a hand quickly iPod I thank you very much about. my head just got fuzzy I mean the iPod was designed in what 82 originally by a gentleman in the UK and the patents were there and they happened to be trolling through and they found this concept of an iPod what became the iPod took it made it and made this most amazing product out of it and revolu- uh, made the music industry up on its heels you know so he was a smart smart man hey, I think he um, he was certainly a um, a revolutionary to take ideas beyond just the paper I mean there'd be no doubt that if he hadn't gone and done what he did with uh, Apple right back in the uh, beginning and start getting just sort of that home computer market happening there probably would have been others that had done it but he certainly took the bull by the horns and said we're going to do it this way yeah. and and he certainly introduced a heck of a lot of technology to the world and I mean the the iPhone the iPad has revolutionised the last 10-15 years of technology for the consumer market and, and, and the next 10-15 to 15 years at least oh, for sure for yeah, sure definitely. yeah well those two are probably the last 5 years but I mean you know, across the broader products, yeah. He, I mean, he's been coming out with things that have um, that have had a dramatic impact for a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, for me, I, I didn't necessarily start grow up as the the Apple person. I came from a non traditional sort of uh, through the Amiga type space homebrew. But Commodore even 64. Commodore sixty four, the Amiga didn't get into a PC till late because I was really. But where where are those companies now? It's interesting if we look back at all of those early companies that made those home computers you know we had we had you know commodore we had the ataris we had the you know bbc uh, products and this you know spectrum amstrad out of the uk Um, all of those have gone um and you know so they picked a particular thing they were able to you know come up and create those first computers but none of those organizers none of those companies had um had a sort of a Steve Jobs type person in there who kept that thinking going, kept coming uh, be up. Be careful with, there. Not, not be necessarily. Very not necessarily. But what what it 
does hinge on is that uh, Apple was actually the catalyst for a lot of these companies to do what they're doing. I mean, they the Amiga. Well, which, which was one of the, which one of those companies is still around? That's what I'm trying to say. So, oh had, no, no, they haven't. They certainly the, not had the vision and the business now to be able to you know keep going, keep innovating with new products and in often quite different spaces. But yeah. in saying that, tenacious people actually stick in there, and this is where um, it's. Steve has proved to grow Apple. I mean, he went away from Apple, started oh, next, and, and the whole thing started crumbling. And they were all going the same way as the Amigas, the Spectrums, well, the Ataris. A- no, Apple was crumbling when Steve got kicked out. I mean, right. they were 90 days from being bankrupt. So there's Apple version 1, which I agree with you, which was your Amstrad's Commodore 64s. And then Steve got booted. They were 90 days from being insolvent, I think it was the, the terminal that they were saying at the time. And then they got a bailout. And they went, and then Apple tried to keep going for a little bit longer. And they, and Stephen went into Next and a few other bits and pieces. And they bought Next, bought Steve back, and Apple version 2 became what we are all talking about now, which is this amazing innovation thing. But Apple version 1 was very much going the same ways as your Commodores and your Ataris at the time. I think it was, yeah, exactly. It was just the nature of first generation cycle. IT yeah. companies. And they all struggled and waned and grew and I mean even you hear some of the speeches that like Steve Jobs gave at um, Stanford for example the 2005 one just sort of talking about the beforehand you know I really didn't know what I was doing you know I wasn't in the right space I had a totally different coming back into it the second time around realised what I had to do to make it work and so I mean that's um, full credit to the guy because you know Apple 1 version Steve Jobs was probably a little bit arrogant you hear it from some of the the venture capitalists like Makula who was actually one of the guys that helped fire up um, Apple in the first place um, saying you know it was just it was just hard to work with second time around totally different scenario you know so the guy, I, I don't think you can take anything away from him in terms of what he brought to the market, especially what he brought to the industry. Definitely And not. that complete drive, that drive to innovate, innovate, and do new stuff. I don't think we'd have um, the likes of the Androids and the Windows Phone 7, for example, without the drive of all iPhone the Kinects, in that space. All your PCs as exactly. they stand today, all your Apple Macs. It would just be, it'd be a different world. It would be a bland, boring world. And Jobs bought... He bought uh, flair, design, and creativity to an industry which was pretty much a beige box brigade. And and Apple is still is still a unique company today when we compare Apple to the other, uh, you know, companies within the the technology and the electronic space in terms of what they, what they deliver. They're unique because they they create an end to end product, and that's very unusual. So that's a good segue into the iPhone four S. Woohoo! So the iPhone 4S about to be released in New Zealand. Is it? Is it? Well, actually, we don't have an official December-ish maybe launch date. I mean, last episode before anything had been announced, um, you know, we we were sharing that we'd you know we'd heard around sort of early November, so we already knew that it was going to be delayed to rest of the world. Still, we don't have anything official. So, um, did did anyone notice that Liechtenstein's getting it before we do? That was on the official slide. Shows how important we are. Lichtenstein's getting it before we do. Look, the, my the my version on the, the iPhone 4S is like buying a Mini, the latest Mini. It's got new headlights and a new roof, but it's still a Mini, right? There's nothing really, really good inside the iPhone 4S that I would go, oh great, it makes me want to buy it. I mean, it's going to sell a gazillion versions because it's going to become the iPhone tribute phone to Steve Jobs, and right. that's where it's already going. Yeah. But from a if you have an iPhone 4 already. 
The only reason you'd buy it is because uh, what's the software? Siri. Siri won't run on iPhone 4. It'll only run on iPhone 4 Even yes. Even though, interestingly, Siri has been available on the iPhone 4 yep. up until now. <laughs> but it's actually <laughs> it as dies. an app. So what they're doing is they're killing off the uh, the existing app and it becomes a sort of a core incorporated feature. Actually, I, th- I mean, I think that, the, yeah, they're going to sell a lot of the iPhone 4S because iPhone users uh, tend to be at the upper end of the uh, market in terms of what they in terms of what they buy, um, because the iPhone is the most expensive phone on the market. But um, why would you upgrade from an iPhone four to an iPhone four S besides being a fanboy? Well, I think sell it to me. I think people will buy it because of the um, better quality camera. So you know, and the, I guess there's that thing with phones is that phones typically only last for a year or two before they've been dropped and damaged and broken. So there's that natural cycle. Now, the other thing Apple have done this time around is they've waited a longer time between phone launches. So I think that was part of their technique here is they've stretched it out a little bit further um, in between the device launches. But we're seeing, um, you know, and we're also seeing that larger capacity, that 64 gig. I'm not sure that most people need that. But again, at the top end of the market, people will buy based on the based on features. I want the latest ABC and they'll buy it, whether they need it or not. I mean, we see that a lot within the sort of the geek and the tech space, people buying, buying yep, based on enough. features rather than actually uh, necessarily something that they need. And let's face it, you know, a lot of the tech and the gadgetry and so on that we buy, we don't necessarily need it. No, my wife's listening. You, know? you can't so the, say that. So these things are around, <laughs> you know, purchasing of consumer electronics and tech, uh, unless it's for, you know, business requirements, you know, are des- uh, usually around a want rather than a need. And people will want the iPhone. Yeah, I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm. With, I, oh yeah. The one thing I say about that is that I've been watching a few friends who are iPhone fans. They love the iPhone. It's a great interface. It's not get beautiful. Anything wrong about that? And they have been sitting on their three iPhone three three GS for a long time. Now the iPhone four S is a signal that they're going to two distinct product lines in what they're doing. They're doing the standard four, standard five type product line, but they're also doing this sort of side product line, which is the S line. So we saw it with the 3GS, for example. And so what they're saying is that the iPhone 4S is your upgrade path from your 3GS. Now, a lot of people that I know, in fact, most of the people that I know have got 3GS who were looking at upgrading to the new iPhone are so unimpressed because they're expecting to see features they would see in an iPhone 5. Or, or an Android or a Windows phone device. Yeah. So what they're going to do now is they're saying, you know what, I'm not going to buy a 4S because it's a waste of money. It doesn't actually give anything new. The only feature that really leaps off the page is Siri. And the only feature you can't get in New Zealand on the iPhone 4S <laughs> is Siri. <laughs> so there's not really much of a compelling reason and, to and go it, to the 4S so unless... For, and for a camera, if you want a camera, buy an Android device that's got a 12 megapixel camera. Well, and that, that's part of the problem is that there are a lot of features they talked about that are on the 4S that are already out there. So it's kind of like, if we look at a chart of functionality on the iPhone, it's kind of like the iPhone's plateaued a little bit and everyone's just caught up or surpassed it. Okay, we've got to step back here a little bit because what we've got to realise is people will buy, like that they buy a Mac or a PC, people will buy based on a preferred a preferred platform. 
and there are a lot of people who iPhone is their platform of choice. Now we know that's starting to change. Definitely. And just in the same way, there were you know BlackBerry used to kind of be the flavour of of the month in, in terms of smartphone devices. Or, or Internet Explorer used to be the browser of choice. It's not happening anymore. You know, yeah. So those those sorts of mm. things that are going on, uh, you know, people's preferences move around and and uh, and change. So that is going to impact the the sales definitely. But there is that preference out there where you know not everyone who has a has a uh, iPhone as their favourite platform um, is going to make is going to you know throw that away. You know, Apple are going to keep that audience for a long time as long as they keep innovating in some new features. Um, but didn't, didn't how, keep me. Yeah, sure, but there, there <laughs> will, you know, there's always going to be that 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 user base. Look, they're going to sell. This phone is going to be the biggest selling iPhone ever produced. I can tell you that right now. I, I would bet my children on it because. <laughs> Because yeah. one has chicken box, so you can yeah, take them. Um, but but the reason being is that people are going to buy this. I know, I know. I think I'm saying to skip five people that are buying an iPhone 4s, not to use it, just to have it as a box as a tribute to Steve Jobs. People, this is going to be the biggest selling iPhone ever, and it, that's great. It's going, it's going to sell 20 million, whatever it's going to be. But it'll be the versions after it, and I think also. The Android devices are going to start surpassing it in sales soon. Well, they are already. Well, it's been, and it's been a while since I've had an iPhone, so I'll you, be. I'm going to get one. I'll I be knew you were. On the yeah, but, and, and, and but you know, slightly different reasons because that's part of what I do is I test out you know technology so we can report back on it here so I can talk to my customers about it. Well, that's what you, you know, tell your that, wife so, anyway. So that, that that's what I do. But I, I, what I'm seeing is there is a change in the market, and we're seeing that in terms of market shares around the world as well, right? And and you know um, the cost is one of those, I was about to is, say the is, mighty dollar is one of those influences in the yeah. current market buying the top end most expensive phone uh, in a lot of scenarios and you know traditionally there were you know, a lot of businesses actually bought the iPhone for their staff because hey we want this function and that function well now you can do the same function for half the cost with a a, a phone from a competitive vendor right so that is going to impact those sales. Definitely, um, you know, something that we that we will we will see. So, um, I, uh, of all of all the things I've seen with the iPhone 4s, it has to be a case that um, <laughs> it has to be a case that I saw ten times the number of complaints about it than uh, to every one comment complaint uh, to one complimentary um, tweet. Well, and certainly so, most of the mainstream media and and yeah, a large the, portion the, of those comments coming out through social media channels as well last week were uh, you know completely different from what we've seen with the other iPhone launches. It's unfortunate because obviously Apple can't always be the greatest innovators every time they step up to the plate. So, you know, you could have a breather somewhere along the line. It's just unfortunate that this was the the first time that Tim Cook was in charge of the ship and um, they brought a ship with the same colour coating on it and it went the same speed. And a key thing you said to us last week is that you go to Europe and there's a lot of BlackBerry users over there. Yeah. And, and let's not underestimate. While we all sort of have a bit of a poke and a fun at it, BlackBerry's still got a huge market and the all government mobile is um, RFP that's out there at the moment for New Zealand is, gonna, is, is preferred for BlackBerry. So yep. anyway, let's, uh, let's go talk about Facebook. Uh, and on an iPad though. It's yes. not uh, going so well, is it? No. So this is, this is the new app that's been... Oh, now, what? just just one thing. I just want to dive back a little bit. Uh, and I know this is less relevant to New Zealand, but the Siri app, we've talked about it, but I don't think we've told the audience what it is. Okay, so Siri 
is a voice control application it's for Tom your Cruise's iPhone. Daughter. Yeah, that's right. It's not a Siri application. It's <laughs> quite good. Um, the concept behind it is you can naturally converse with your phone and ask it questions. And it will go out and this will be using the power of the cloud, probably, because, uh, you know, your yes, phone's not going to have yep. it. And it will bring back sensible responses to you. So you can sit there going, um, I think I might go for a walk outside. And it'll say to you things like, it's raining, you probably need a coat. So it looks at weather things. So it's, it's a, basically, it's just a clever search algorithm. It's AI. For voice. It's yep. AI on the phone. Um, so that, that's you effectively... You can tell it to remind you of something, say, you know, give yep. me a reminder. In you can do things, you know, I want to make a call, I want to send a message and all that sort of stuff. So it does have a lot of hooks into the system, but it uses natural conversation. So you don't have to sit there going, phone call the old trout and have to make it really quite pronounced to make the call. It will actually just naturally go with it. This system also is available for Windows Phone 7 and the Android. It sounds like what Bing searched when they first launched Bing they wanted to have rather than type uh, skip plus radio yep. you type uh, what radio station is skip on. It was that whole natural way yep. of doing it and they've taken the Siri, have taken that and then Apple bought Siri, didn't so they? So there, there are a couple of other products out there that do the same thing. Yeah. I mean you look at, if you want to look at Microsoft's offering it's Tell Me, there's an Android app that does a similar thing but it's still very heavy on the cloud stuff and very heavy on having information available to it. So, one of the main reasons it's probably not going to be available in New Zealand is if you do a search for things in New Zealand on Google or Bing, you don't get the results that you no. expect, because there's just not the populated data there. And there's also a challenge around accents, right? So, uh, our Kiwi accent is, you know, reasonably unique, and I guess in the market of, you know, the number of users here in New Zealand compared to other countries around the world, we're going to be a little bit further down the, uh, the list. Than no, I disagree with on that. that one. Because who's got it before us? Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. Yeah, that's right. Lichtenstein have it. But in saying that, they, <laughs> and this is the reason why Siri is in beta. It's only available in English. And then they're going to work on the French translation portion of it. So Siri is only available in English. If you're outside of an English-speaking country and you don't speak English, Siri is not going to be any use for you either, which is why it's got the beta tag, because it's not not that it's not an incomplete product. It actually just doesn't cover the world yet. Yeah. Okay, well, there we go. Nice, nice. Thanks for filling in uh, those gaps there, guys, because I think it's good to have that whole picture. Uh, but the unfortunate thing is we don't have it here just yet. So, all right, moving on. Facebook. So there's a new Facebook app for the iPad. Correct. And IO, uh, for your iPhone as well, isn't it? Or is it just the iPad today? Generally, they've been pushing the iPad side of the app. Yeah, it's just the iPad yeah. today. And, and the, the yeah. iPhone uh, app, I think, there was a... Um, there was a an update or That's a change right, yeah. in that space as well. So uh, and it's yeah. uh, been a bit of an epic fail by the sounds of the uh, blogosphere and the people that have been using it and the installation is, is not very smooth and yeah, it seems to be crashing a lot from what we're reading out there at the moment. Um, and a few of the guys that have installed it around here have actually said they really hate it. Yeah, it's not getting a lot of positive feedback at the moment. It has been a one. It's been confusing as to why it's taken so long for them to bring this out to the market, mm. um, and I wonder if it's tied into another thing that's been coming out called Project Spartan, which um, at first I thought it was um, a giant hole in the ground they kicked things into, <laughs> um, but no, it actually is um, the touch and HTML5 touch interface for Facebook. So you should be able to open it up with any of your touch devices, uh, and I ex- expect Windows 8 tablet as well would be in that market space. 
interface. So iPads, uh, touch any touch mobile device that supports HTML5, and you should be able to get your f- full Facebook experience. Now, I've actually had a play with this on the Windows Phone 7, and it's not actually too bad. Um, so I'm wondering if they um, that interface was tied into the iPad release at the same time. So maybe the iPad app isn't so much an app, it just actually exposes the uh, touch.facebook.com interface. Interesting. It could be. I mean, I had a quick play with it before, and yeah, I mean, I need to get home and get on one of my touchscreen devices and have a good go of it there. Um, but yeah, it's it's from what I've been reading out there, the um the the Facebook app hasn't been going too well, and it's just even the basic installation of it, it's you have to install it once, it crashes, you uninstall, reinstall it, and then it seems to be stable for a period of time. So I seem to be seeing a lot of um, blogs and articles around that. Yeah, I'm sure we'll see that um, fi- we'll fixed. Fi- fixed up fairly uh, fairly smartly, but. Um, <laughs> interesting to hear so maybe stay clear for a day or two until uh, until those updates uh, come through now brad you've been uh, you've been playing around with a uh, a device called the hd home run yes what can you tell us about the hd home run what what is it for starters okay so um the hd home run is the same size as a apple tv 2 or a roku box if you happen to have one of those um, and what it does is it takes your Freeview television signal for people here in New Zealand, so your DVB-T, that's called, and it takes a Freeview aerial and you plug it in to this little so box. You, so you plug it into your TV yep. aerial, either your wall connection for yep. it, or you can plug, can you plug rabbit ears into it, or that you sort of... You could, but the picture, it'll all become down to how good the picture quality is, yeah, as long as you've got a, a, an RF jack in. Yep. And then it converts that signal to a... Um, a IP um, signal. So what that means is that you can use your Wi-Fi or your Ethernet connection in your house to transmit television. Now this works across Linux, Macs, um, and Windows devices. Um, sorry, and uh, media center devices. And what it does is, on for instance, on um, say Sage TV or Media Center, it creates what's called a virtual tuner. And the cool thing about this is that, you you know, with Sky, you can pause one channel, watch the other. You can do exactly that. But you don't actually have to have the, everything plugged in. But you can have multiple people using this one little box at the same time. So in my house, for instance, I can, if no one's using it, I can watch one channel, record one channel. Or I can release a tuner and let Paul come over and fire up his laptop and, and watch a TV channel, change the channels. Um, and it's a really, really cool way that if you want to be able to have TV on an Apple device or a Windows device or or a phone, whatever it is, um, that you can actually have Freeview television streaming through your house without having to run aerial cables everywhere. Um, it works really, really, really well. It's very, very nice. They're about $199, um, and we'll put the link up to the website on our new homepage. Yeah, def- definitely worth uh, looking at if you're into um, you know, media center type setups. Now, these have been around for a little while. Yes, they have. Uh, but uh, this is the first time that any of us have actually used them in our setups. I know uh, in the in the past we've been using uh, the tuner cards that have to go inside a PC. This obviously is a lot more flexible and and you know gives you a you know that uh, you know that capability that you can tie it up to a laptop or or whatever. So uh, you know your iPad and so on. So no, it's great. And I think the key thing you said there is is iPad. Mac, Linux, Windows. It's 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 it a really cross platform, yep. and this is the um, it's all fully supportive of the latest versions too. So mm. It's a very cool piece of kit. Very oh, cool. on on those devices though, you need to have an appropriate app. Does it come with any sort of free apps for getting? Yeah, it, it does. It does. Yep, okay, it does. so you've got yep. some basic capabilities you yep. can get straight into, and you can download from the um, iPad Store as well. Yeah, very okay. cool. Excellent. Now, 
Just one sort of last thing as, as we come to an end. Adobe have unveiled their Creative Cloud. Now, we, <laughs> Sorry, we chatted about so this funny. off air, and my thought is, is I've read their press release, read a little bit of info. I'm not entirely sure where this actually fits in the market. So my thought is, unless you guys have got any uh, any insights and you've had a had a good poke around, um, is that maybe we'll have a chat to the Adobe guys to uh, you know come on the show and 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 fill us in on what the uh, what their new software and their cloud offering is all about. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's a collection of tools that provides you to build social media based applications for a touch screen based devices that's that's part of it and the other part is that for the people collaborating and and working with you know the adobe creative suite and their various products you'll be able to store some of that content online just to share to say, with others yeah right? you is get 20 yeah with the executive or the enterprise version of the product you get 20 gigs of cloud storage now what i couldn't find in all the stuff i was reading is where that cloud storage is hosted it's in the clouds it's in the cloud. I don't know if it was a Google or a Microsoft or if it was Adobe's own cloud or whatever where that storage is going. So I could that's one bit I couldn't find out even when I was looking through to buy it and to look to purchase it and stuff. Um, but it, look at the base of it, it's Illustrator and a whole lot of those the core products. But using that there, I think it would be good to get Adobe along here to sort of clarify that for us yep. and whether the, that cloud services is going to work down here for us in New Zealand. Okay, thing. okay, no, that's good. All right. Well, we've, uh, that's probably us. That's, uh, that's been our show for another week. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening in. You forgot one thing. I did. Yeah, the, a really cool thing that's happened to our website. Oh, yes. What? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you've been busy on it, but uh, just reiterate what's happening with our website. Okay, oh, yes. so we, we relaunched the website last week, or we've, we've get, you know given it a nice new paint job. Um, we're sort of partway through that. We might do a little bit more, but uh, but it is a little bit easy to get around. Uh, there's a whole lot more sort of uh, links. There's a blog section, which is a great place to uh, to read our guide on setting up Netflix and those online services. And there are going to be new blog entries. Uh, coming on i know uh brad's working on something there i've got wordpress working on my windows phone 7 device oh that's cool yeah so uh so you can uh, you can write up your articles straight on your phone i know uh and we're also encouraging um any of our readers out any of our listeners out there who would like to contribute um content to our blog section we would uh we'd definitely be keen to hear from you uh let us know what you've got what you'd like to um talk to new zealand about and um we'll see if we can we can fit that in with uh, with our other content good thanks for uh, the reminder on that one skip now um for those who want to track us down during the week skip your twitter handle please urban kiwi nz excellent and brad at brad Bohr. and mine is just my name paul spain so do look us up on twitter and of course nz tech podcast is the handle for the podcast on twitter online our website is nztechpodcast.com also facebook.com slash nz tech podcast excellent hey thanks everyone for listening in catch you next week ciao bye